everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're continuing with our series, The Church of Philippi, and over the course of the summer, uh, we are going through the book of Philippians, and last week specifically, uh, we were talking about really the call to be, the call to be light, that God has called us to be, to, to this walk of faith, this life of faith, this invitation of the gospel is not about just getting, receiving a new list of things to do. A lot of times because of just the framework that we've had at times of the church, we can think or have this picture in our minds that it's a lot more about a to-do list rather than really about being who God's called us to be. You don't have to when, you know, it's not some journey that you get on and, and you get your packing list or you get your to-do list. And if you check off all the boxes, then maybe you might be able to see God. Or maybe you one day might be able to earn your way into the different levels of heaven. No. We do do things, and the Bible says that we were created to do good works. But it's not our doing that gains us favor, grace, or salvation. It's his love. It's his power, God's power. It's the blood of Jesus. And it's in a moment that he transforms us and he then calls us to be. And in being who he's called us to be, we begin to do the things he's called us to do. And the chief of those is to be light, to be emanators in the earth of his light. God designed us in the book of Genesis. We see that we were designed very specifically to be image bearers of God, that wherever we went, that we would reveal the likeness of who he is. I know sometimes uh, that feels like a daunting task, especially when we know that we are not God and we're not perfect and we don't always have it all together, we, if, if ever we have it all together. And yet he's so loving and he's so patient and he's so trusting that he empowers us to be his representatives and to shine in whatever place we in space that we find ourselves. This morning, as we continue in the book of Philippians, and we're going to start here in chapter 2, verse 19, what we see is that really, just as we saw in the beginning of the scripture of God's word, that relationship is really the catalyst, it's the beginning, it's the, the driver, and it's really the goal of the scripture. And we see how that interplays here in relation to this church in Philippians. So would you turn with me to the book of Philippians? We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, not verse 1, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with as a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself 
will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. So just to give you some of the background story here. So Paul is writing this letter to a church that he helped co-found and birth. He's a spiritual father too. And he's writing it as he has been imprisoned. Timothy, who's a dear disciple of his, a spiritual son who he's raised up, he's sending him, and, and he's also telling them that he's sending Epaphroditus. Now, to let you know about Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was actually from this church, this community in Philippi, and he was sent. And so he's become a great friend and a great treasure, and now Paul is wanting to send him back. He says, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and near death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. Great Father, I thank you for your word this morning that leads us and guides us. Lord, I ask that you would help me, Lord, to communicate it well. Lord, that you would help me to communicate, Lord, with your heart and your intent. And Lord, I pray that just the relationship and the investment and exchange and multiplication of life that we see in the scripture, Lord, that it would jump off the page and that it would plant seeds and stir up things in our life, that it would till the soil of our hearts, Lord, not just to hear it, not even just to be inspired by it for a day, but Lord, that it would call us, Lord, to respond, Lord, it would stir us to move, Lord, it would stir us, Lord God, to, to take our step, to take our role, Lord, not just to watch another, but to step up to the plate. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read a passage like this, um, I am reminded, you know, when I see this exchange of life between, and, 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 and all that's in play between Paul and Timothy and this community and, and Epaphroditus, and even as we stand here together as a community and we unpack the scriptures and we glean from life that has taken place many, 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 many years ago and have inspired and transformed and changed people through the power of God's word. And now here we are today in 2018. It's such an incredible reminder that who we are and who I am didn't just accidentally happen, but was a result of investment, a result of lots of exchanging of life, and an overall multiplication. You know, when uh, we, last week we had Father's Day, and, you know, it's a great time where we get to celebrate and honor, and even, you know, during this summer, the, the beginnings of summer and Mother's Day and Father's Day, uh, I'm just reminded of all that my parents have invested into myself and my siblings and, and, and those mentors throughout the years who have helped contribute to who I am. And, and, and one of the people that I always send a text to is one of my 
dear mentors, his name is Kevin Singleton. And uh, when I moved to Nashville in 2000, I was kind of, I'd grown up in church and I had given my life to, to the Lord early on in life. But by this stage, just through just some wounds and church hurt and different various things, I was real cynical. I was arrogant. I was just kind of a hot mess. And at the same time, I was just really insecure and in trying to figure things out. And God knew exactly his, his way of awakening me and, and, and helping me to get from the place that I was to the place that he was calling me to be was through the way that he does with most of us, through a person. And so much that I get to experience today, you know, when, when I look and I see my children, when I see what God's doing in our church community, when I see just the opportunities that I had, a lot of it can be traced to some very hard conversations that Kevin had with this little knuckleheaded 20, 21-year-old. I remember specifically one of those uh, interactions, you know, where I was, you know, just getting connected to the church and I was kind of getting, you know, I was a musician. I moved to Nashville with a band to kind of do the whole music thing and um, I was feeling myself, you know, and I just kind of thought, oh man, this is a great church and, you know, I'm, I'm a growing artist and man, I've got so much calling, you know, they just, you know, they really need me. They really, this is a good space for me to flourish and I started going to some of their prayer meetings and, and uh, I remember Kevin coming to me one morning after I'd been kind of coming and hanging around and, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I've been watching you and I'm like, yeah, yeah, somebody can recognize my skill, my talent and my abilities and, and he goes, yeah, he's like, you've, you've been growing, I can tell you've been growing. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have been growing, I appreciate you watching and he goes, you know what? When I first saw you, I thought, hmm, that is a prideful, womanizing flirt. And I was like, and he's saying this to me, and like, there's a couple people in the room. I'm like, hey, bro, can we like, can you rebuke me in silence? Like, pull me aside. Because all my pride was like, ah, you know. And, uh, but he didn't leave me there. And uh, he's like, you know what? I want to spend some time with you. And so, Literally, the next Saturday at about 6.30 in the morning, I get a phone call, and uh, as a musician in Nashville, you didn't really see 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday very often, and he calls me, and he goes, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, sir, I'm asleep, <laughs> and he says, well, I'm outside of, I was living in, in the basement with a few other guys with our campus minister, and he goes, um, I'm outside your house, why don't you come and hop in my car? And I'm like, uh, um... Can I shower first? So he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'm going to go to the post office. I'll be back. So he picks me up. I get in the car. And this was way before all the digitized music charts. And so he hands me like a stack of sheet music this tall. And he puts it on my lap. And he goes, start alphabetizing these while I talk to you. I'm like, all right, whatever. And he begins to tell me. And he says, John, he goes, I see a lot of potential and I see a lot of calling and destiny on you. He goes, but the reality is, he's like, it's kind of like a diamond. He said, the question between whether or not a diamond will reach its potential is one, if you can allow and go through the process of the dirt being cleaned off, but then also if you can allow yourself to be cut as much as you will need to be cut so that you can reflect the light the right way. And 
at the time, I was just hungry. I was excited about, excited about growing, but I don't really didn't even know what I was getting into. But when I think about that conversation, then I see just the way he followed it up by the investment of time. I mean, he put so much time in me, and I was a hot mess. You know, some people, you know, they need more of like a gentle rebuke or, you know, I, I needed one of those old school coaches that would just make you run hard and maybe cuss at you and step on you when you did push-ups because I just had a lot of stuff that needed to be broken off. And I know that there were people that looked at me at times and sometimes because I was not very teachable at the time, thought, man, I don't know if he's going to be worth it. But Kevin made the investment and he took the time and he was patient and so often, I think I can't get too far down in a, in a week or a month or a year of ministry without constantly thinking about the things that I gleaned from during that time that God placed him there. And it's reminded me that we have been called by God to be light, but we're not called to shine alone. That we, just as Abraham was brought with God to look and stare up to the sky and to see the number of stars in the sky. And God was telling him, this is what your inheritance will be. It's that we were not just called to shine, but we are called to shine together. And when you think of the expanse of darkness, sometimes it can be overwhelming. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I look at just the condition of our culture and our nation and the brokenness and the anger and the angst that's out there, it can just almost make you just want to not even say anything. It can really cause you to not want to shine in certain areas because you don't feel like dealing with the headache. You know, you don't want to get on, it's not just about even shutting down social media, you just shrink back because even the thought of, man, what can I do by myself? Can be overwhelming. And yet we see here that there's an encouragement that lies in what God's called us to do together. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the, the people that don't know uh, or that are just coming into the faith that need the encouragement. We see here Apostle Paul is excited about what God is doing among the whole of them. There is an investment that, that is required and there is an exchange that's required in order for us to experience the multiplication of joy that God wants us to experience. So I want to talk about this, that this, moment, this morning uh, as we look at Philippians. First of all, there's an investment of love. There's an investment of love. We see at the beginning of this portion in, in verse 19 where Paul is telling them that he's going to send Timothy to them. Now, what you need to know is that Timothy was a dear spiritual son to Paul. He had walked with Paul through many different challenges, many different seasons. Paul had invested and poured himself and multiplied himself in Timothy. And so he's telling them that I can't come right now, clearly. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm under arrest. I'm in prison. But you know that who I'm sending you is someone that I care deeply for. And he wasn't just investing anything. He was investing his very best. 
It was something he saw what God was doing in this church at Philippi worth an investment of love. He was compelled. You don't invest your best into something that doesn't matter to you. Thank you. You don't. You don't. You don't invest the things that are closest to you unless you see this value. It reminds me of, you know, it's, it's a reminder of just the greater picture of God that he so loved us that he sent his very best. There's an exchange and an investment of love that must take place in order for there to be a multiplication. And you know that you truly have invested and made an investment of love if it hurts a little bit. We sat down, my wife and I, with a financial planner this week and just looking and wanting to make sure that our things are in order and get things straight. And one of the things that always, you know, messes with me, and whenever we're budgeting or whenever we're meeting with, an, with a, a financial advisor, is not the things that we're saying yes to, but the things that we're having to say no to. So that we can really make sure that we are sowing and investing in things that matter. And you start really kind of thinking, you know, man, this, this, this is going to hurt in some ways. There, there's, it, it, it's not truly an investment of love unless you feel it. Are you all with me this morning? See, a lot of times what happens, particularly when it comes into, we get this sometimes in other spaces, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, we only want to, want to invest to the level of our comfort. We only want to give to the level of our comfort, whether it be in our financial resources, whether it be in our time. You know, we, we, we will give as long as, as it just kind of benefits us. But when it starts to hurt or when it requires us to say no to something else, many times our priorities manifest themselves. Our priorities and what we truly serve and what we truly love and have given our affection to becomes to rise to the surface. And some of it is for different reasons. Some of it is because perhaps we have images or, or characterizations of the church at large or of the people of God. And so there's a part of us because maybe we've experienced church hurt before. We only want to invest to the level that we can manage our pain level. Oh, I tried, I, 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 Pastor, I tried investing, I gave, I served, I set up chairs, I tithed, and, and it just, I just got burnt in the end. And so we just, rather than learning to trust again and giving and investing, not because of people, but because of the king that we serve, we can just begin to come and just stay at a distance. And we think, we think, that we're helping ourselves, but we actually are robbing ourselves from experiencing the true depth and the richness of the exchange of life that takes place. So the first step to seeing the multiplication that we want to see is truly an investment of love. You've got to give, and it's not just about, I'm not just talking about tithes, but th that, that's a factor because it's an act of obedience unto the Lord, and it submits our, our resources to him. But it's, it's not just submitting our resources, it's submitting our very lives, it's engaging and building relationships with people that will cost us. That it costs us. What does that mean? That means if I know that a brother is in need, it might require more of me than just sending them the prayer emoji. 
It might require that I restructure my budget so that I can sow and help them. It might require that I take time out of my schedule that I've already filled to say, you know what, you need me now. It might mean that my Sunday mornings that I hold so dearly, I might be able to sow one of those in to come and help and support so that others could experience the truth of the gospel. It might cost us, it will, not might, it will cost us something. But as a result, there's an exchange of life that is so rich. So we continue, and as you continue to read, we see that not only was there an investment, and, and part of that investment was Paul sending Timothy, his spiritual son. There was also the investment of love that the church at Philippi actually sent Epaphroditus. So as he talks about at the end of this section in verse 30, he says, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He wasn't like slyly rebuking them. He wasn't giving them an underhanded thing like, I mean, y'all were lacking. No, his point was, is that you all couldn't come. I know that. I understand that. But you sent your best. They sent Epaphroditus to bring support and to bring aid and to help and aid Paul during this time. And so there was an exchange happening. There was an investment of them. And then also now Paul investing Epaphroditus back to him. But through that was an exchange of life. In this life, it's a combination of joys and pains and everything in between. And truly, if we're doing it right, if we're investing right, if we're building towards the right kind of multiplication, there will be an exchange of life. And life all, all over the place. Paul is even acknowledging, we see, I love, I don't know about you guys, but I love it anytime I see uh, the people and, and, and the fathers and mothers of the faith respond or communicate human emotion. How Paul talks about this, you know, the, the anxiety or even just the fear, the concern over Epaphroditus and his health. And even as he starts out saying, you know, I'm sending Timothy partly because I, I want him to, you know, I'm sending him to you, but I also want him to come bring back word to me so that I can be encouraged because right now the situation I'm in, I don't get to see your faces. You see, Paul from prison wasn't able to see the Facebook video update of the mission trip. He's in the midst of being incarcerated and only able to imagine that what God has told him to write down is having any impact. And the beauty when we invest the right way into the kingdom and when we invest the right way in kingdom relationships into the people of God is it doesn't just work when things are going great, but it actually, we draw from that strength and that joy even in the midst of trial and struggle. There's an exchange of life. You know, my, my mentor, Kevin Singleton, I love that he was my best man in my wedding, but he also led worship at our daughter's memorial. It's like when we invest the right way, there is an exchange of life that takes place where we at times, of, at times will be honored and strengthened and emboldened to encourage others that are grieving, others that are going through hardships, and then we too get to be recipients of that encouragement, spurring each other on to the glory of God, spurring each other on to not give up, to not grow weary in well-doing. Encouraging, encouraging each other, not always out of our strength, 
but out of the abundant grace of God. I don't know about you guys, there's a lot of times where God's called me to give and God's called me to, to, to sow in certain ways where I didn't really necessarily feel like I had a surplus of that. I, I know that there's no, uh, I'm probably the only, and Kelly and I are probably the only married couple in here that don't, like, we know that we're called to love and we're called to extend grace and we're called to uh, extend mercy and kindness but don't always feel like we have an abundance of those things, and yet we still love each other and we still are called to do that. You know, I, I, I know I'm probably not the only parent in here where it's like you know that God's called you to like, you know, he's given you these beautiful children to create more of patience and long-suffering in you and teach you how to love people who can't give you a whole lot back at the time. And yet you feel like you're giving out of your lack. And yet when we invest and when we give whatever we have, God multiplies it. And so as we invest in love, we sow our best. We get to reciprocate in this exchange of life. And over time, we see this multiplication of joy that takes place. See, as a result of the investments of the church of Philippi and Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, there is this beautiful work that's being done that's contributing to the continued advancement of the gospel. That even in the midst of Paul's incarceration, the gospel was continuing to advance throughout the land. That even in the midst of that, God was doing a beautiful thing in this community and in the hearts of Timothy and the hearts of Epaphroditus. And as a result of what God did there, we get to be the benefactors there are people who you will never know. You may never know their names. You may never get to see that when you sow your life are benefited from that. I think of the young boy who gave his lunch when the multitudes were starving and hungry and Jesus's looking at the disciples and thinking of a way to meet the hunger that's around them. I just can't imagine being this young boy and just thinking, wait, did I? You got to feed all of them, right? Did you see what I have? I don't have nearly enough. There's no way. In fact, if I give this to like, I don't know, you're going to give this to a couple people, there's going to be like 4,995 that are even more upset. And yet, God just called him to give what he had, to invest what he had, to exchange what he had. And God multiplied it in such a way that there were so many people that that kid never knew, that were fed, that were blessed. When we invest and we give and, and, and not just surfacely, but when we jump all the way in to the family of God, yes, there will be an exchange of life, and that exchange is messy sometimes. I'm not here to tell you that there's not challenges. You know this. Anytime people are involved, there's going to be friction. 
The scripture actually tells us this. It says, just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I don't know if you've watched the process of sharpening, but sparks will fly. Especially in a church community like what we're believing in to build and and what God is developing as a church that is multi-ethnic, multi-generational, Diverse in socioeconomic backgrounds, that means we have some people here that voted for Hillary and some that voted for Trump, and somehow we believe that God is great enough to reconcile us and help us to trust him through it all. That means we have people who the reality is, on social media, you probably have told each other to unfriend you, and yet, and yet, by the blood of Jesus, And by his grace, we are one. How does that work? It's messy. We don't figure it all out. And yet we still are called to give. We're still called to sow. He's calling us to trust him. He's calling us not just to come in toe deep, but to give of ourselves and let him lead us. This isn't something he's called us to do that, he, that God hasn't been willing to do himself. He looked upon us with love. Those who owed a great debt and could not pay any of it. He invested himself. He sent himself. He came, and he didn't just come and snap his fingers like Thanos and make everything right. Or so Thanos thought. We know he didn't. (laughs) He actually not just exchanged life on the cross, but experienced the daily exchange of life from childhood. He experienced the side eyes from people in his community who would never believe that his mother was of impregnated by God. I mean, try to convince somebody of that. Can you imagine the looks that he probably received, the scorn that his mother received, the times being fully God and fully man that he maybe wanted to defend his mother because of the people around, and yet he experienced that. If there's anybody that experienced church hurt, gosh, being crucified and beaten and spat upon, betrayed by people you came to save, and yet his response was, Father, forgive them. And he didn't just exchange life for nothing, but out of his life has come the multiplication of joy and life for all who would believe and receive. You and I, today, here because of his investment and his exchange. We have an opportunity every day to make this kind of exchange. You know, wherever you are, in your workplace, even with our community uh, around us in schools or, or at home, 
to be able to not just get overwhelmed by feeling like we're in it alone, but actually encourage one another and lift each other up and invest in each other. The church is the family of God. It's not four walls. It's about building in such a way where it hurts and it stings at times, where our hearts hurt because we care, not trying to stay from a distance and keep everything safe, but pouring ourselves in. That's the joy that we get to experience. I want to encourage you, begin to ask the Lord, God, I know this is a scary prayer, but Lord, how can I be poured out for you? What does that look like at your workplace? What does that look like as you are a student? You don't have to wait until after you graduate to be light. God's called you to be light right now. What does that look like? What is he calling you to invest in? What is he calling you to say no to so that you can invest in and seek first the kingdom? What is the exchange? What is the, can God use you today? Not just one day, but today to exchange life and, and bring life to somebody who feels lonely and, and, is, and, is, and is hurting. Even in the midst of whatever is going on in your life, can you present your life and say, God, I don't feel like I have much, but I give you what I have. I, I don't feel like I have a whole lot of time, but Lord, I, I, but you're worthy. And I'm going to sow what I got and trust that you're going to multiply it. Can we pray that prayer? Can we ask him for those things? Not just because we need stuff to do, but to see him multiply and do more with our lives than we could ever imagine. One of the things Kevin Singleton used to always tell me, I remember uh, Kelly uh, interned with him as well for a season, and he had a uh, outreach to high schoolers called Victory Clubs, and we were sitting in, and he was doing a mentoring session. He was talking about sowing and reaping, and, and he was saying over and over again, I'll never forget it, he said, when we sow something, we need to remember that the harvest is always later, and it's always greater. Whatever you sow, the harvest is always later, it's always greater. You put a seed into the ground, the harvest is going to come later, and it's always greater. And I encourage you, and I, and, and I challenge us, as Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and the church of Philippi, as they are among the great multitude and cloud of witnesses, I can't imagine their joy to see what they've invested in. And though you may not fully understand it today, I believe that some of it you will see. That what you sow, the way you sow your life, the way you invest your life, the way that you exchange your life, will produce a great multiplication of life, of joy that is unspeakable. I'm so grateful for the investment. My kids are grateful, even though they don't even understand it, of the investment of others that's sown into me when I was a knucklehead. Still am. God's working with me. So that I could be able to be a participant in this great, great call. This morning, I want to pray for you. We also want to give you a very practical, I want to have a friend, uh, Lauren, come up in a minute. Um, because we are the church that we are because of the people that God's added to us. This is not a one-man band. This is not, uh, you know, two or three people 
that create this community. Uh, I am not, you know, we don't have a community and then I kind of stand on the outside. I am a part of this community like everyone else. And it's been people that have stepped up to the plate with whatever much or little they thought they had that said, you know what, I want to serve, I want to sow, I want to exchange, I want to be a part of what God is doing that makes us who we are. And so one, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all the people that have served and, and contributed in whatever way you have over the course of our church. We have, are just over a year old. Can we praise the Lord for that? We launched the end of March of 2017. Even before that, there were people who got new jobs, who sold homes, who came from Florida and other places to just come and were sent by churches. I mean, there's been so many people that have sown and invested. And we've done life together, and it's been wonderful, and it's been exciting, and it's been challenging, and everything in between. But we are amazed to see what God is doing as he continues to multiply life. And so I want to invite somebody up here who has been a part of this whole uh, exchange and investment just to kind of share some of her testimony. So Lauren, can you come up here? Can we give Lauren Miley a hand? Kyle, you can come on up too. Here we go. Lauren, say hi to the people. Hello, people. Can you hear me? So Lauren... um, Lauren is, as you can see, show off that City Kids shirt right there. Can we give a hand for City Kids? Lauren has been uh, just such a joy to have. I mean, she's got a million-dollar smile. She's always bringing life and energy wherever she is in the room. Why don't you just tell us, like, how did you even connect to this community? How did you connect to the church? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a weird story. Um, But I uh, work for this elementary school fundraising company. And uh, one day I was up in Carmel um, at the Quirky Feather. Any Quirky Feather fans? Yeah? Uh, I think it closed now, which is sad. Or it's moving. Um, But... Actually, I was doing some work there, and this girl came up to me, and she was like, hey, you work for Boosterthon? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I used to work for them in Florida. And I was like, that's crazy, because I just moved here from Florida. Um, and her name was Jackie. Um, I know some of you know Jackie, and she and Stephen are now moving away. So sad. Um, but she got me connected here. She invited me to come to City of Lights, and so I came one Sunday in November, um, and I didn't leave. Um, so Now, tell me this. Like... <laughs> So first of all, I love the fact that, you know, uh, those of you who don't know, uh, just we love Jackie and Stephen. They're about to get married, and God opened up a great new opportunity for ministry for them in Michigan. So I got to pray with them. So here they are, just, just doing life, just going to a coffee shop. You know, I, I don't think Jackie showed up to the Quirky Feather, like, like on a mission, per se, and yet she was on mission. And in a moment, she's interacting, she is connecting, and... Through that exchange, now all of a sudden you show up here. What was it about you coming here? What was it that you experienced that was like, okay, I think I might come back? Yeah. um, So when I lived in Tampa uh, last year, I had hopped around to tons of different churches, just like trying to find that place where I felt really welcomed and I felt really loved. And when I walked into the Avondale Meadows YMCA that morning, I felt it. Like, I felt that love and that joy and that community that everybody here has. Like, everybody here is so welcoming. Like, 
people were smiling and shaking my hand. And when I came the next time, like, they remembered my name. They gave me a hug. Like, I got a cool coffee mug. Come on, I mean, like, coffee mug. It was so, just like, I knew when I walked in and meeting these people that, like, this was the place where I needed to start to sow those seeds. Mm. Now, you get connected. I remember you actually coming to City 101. Um, and you, you connected really quick. You came in, so you start sewing. You start sewing with the kids, serving in City Kids Ministry. Can you share, like, you know, as you've been serving in this way, like, what has been maybe some of the reward, some of the joy that has come out of that? Yeah, so uh, I was thinking about this this morning. And um, being in City Kids, um, I think the most... And, you know, we don't serve and we don't volunteer and do these things for the rewards. But when you are sowing those seeds into these preschoolers, you're like, hey, Jesus loves you. And they're like, okay, (laughs) great. Um, For me, it's a reminder that we need to have a more childlike faith. Um, And what I mean by that is, like, these kids, you know, they're not afraid to tell you, like, What's on your face? Like, yeah. Oh, that's is it. Sorry. Um, like <laughs> these kids, they're not afraid to tell you these things, and that's a real exchange should, of life, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should live our lives in faith like that. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't we? Why are we like afraid to share? You know. And so I think that for me, the most rewarding part is just being reminded that we should have that childlike faith. Um, every day and creating disciples and not being afraid to share our stories and, and share what Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's the most rewarding part. No, for me. And I, I'm, I'm just so grateful for you, Lauren. You know, I just think the very first Sunday, our launch Sunday, I kind of like got taken, taken back because I was right before service, I was going uh, to use the restroom real quick. And as I'm walking out, I see the very first children's church pastor that I had walk in the door. And I hadn't seen her in over 30 years. And I'm pretty confident (laughs) that when she first met me, when she was serving in children's church, she did not have a clue of what I would become. I think she probably had an idea, like, that I would at least become more than just that kid which if you ever want to know what I was like when I was younger, just look at my son Johnny and just know that truly you will sow what you reap. Uh, You'll reap what you sow. But um, I just appreciate you and, and all of our City Kids team that don't treat City Kids like just babysitting, but that speak life and encouragement even when the kids say the darndest things and the things come out of their bodies and you have to clean it up and all that stuff. You all do that work, but um, I just wanted to thank you for your service, and also um, just thank you for all of those that have served in City Kids in different capacities that people don't see. Um, I just want to celebrate you. Can we give Lauren a hand, please? Now, I just want, if when it comes to you serving and sewing, Uh, And even, you know, I know this is just a small part of the areas that God's called you to out inside the church, outside the church community. What would be your encouragement to those who maybe have been coming, 
but haven't really, you know, it's like they've come, they've attended, they've visited, but they're still kind of on the edge. Why would you encourage them to get involved? Yeah, um, definitely go to the Next City 101 if you haven't been to one yet. Um, And I think for me and the reason that I serve and the reason that I think I'm going to encourage you guys to serve too is that when I came in here that first day and that love and that community and that joy that I felt, I want to emulate that for other people who are walking in here. And so if you've been coming for like a week, two weeks, a month, uh, maybe you've been here since the start and you haven't gotten that chance to serve yet, I just want to encourage you to take that next step and be the person who is going to bring in these other people that are going to be coming here in the future. We don't know them yet, but we're praying for them and we love them. And when they walk in those doors, we want them to feel that love. Um, And so I just encourage you to get involved. Do it. It's fun. Thank you, Lauren. Let's give her a hand. Amazing. In just a very practical way, uh, you have a serving card in your seat. And on there are different areas that really contribute to us being, uh, doing what we do in different ways to serve each other, to love each other. If this is a community that God has called you to be a part of, I would really challenge you and encourage you to check off a couple of those boxes, to come in, to, to invest, to exchange life, to not just be a visitor, but to become a part of the family. Uh, my mom, she was notorious. She had seven kids, and we would have kids over and folks over to eat. And it was kind of like, after you get two free meals, you get chores on the third one. And because it's just part of family, it's part of being the family of God. It's part of shining together. It's not just watching others, but being in it and saying, I am here, and we are here together to encourage, to, to shine, to serve. I also want to challenge you and encourage you. I know some of you in here, this isn't your church home. Maybe you're just visiting. Maybe you came with a friend. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God brought you here and he led you here because he's calling and he's drawing you. Maybe he's drawing you to trust him again. Maybe he's wanting to awaken dormant gifts and calling in you that you felt the excitement and the thrill of at one time but because of life and circumstances have grown cold and hard. I actually believe, and I don't know who it is, but I really sense right now in the spirit um, that there's someone in here today and you know that there's a call of God in your life. And not that every call, we're all called. And just being called doesn't mean called to vocational ministry, but I, I just sense and I'm just going to step out. I really believe that there's someone in here today and, and the Lord has, there is a ministry calling on you and you've known it and you've wrestled with it and so you've tried to keep yourself busy doing a lot of other things and you've excelled at those and the you excelling in these other areas has kind of almost been your uh, way of justifying not responding to the call of God. And the Lord is giving you an opportunity to say yes to him. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that means for you. But the Lord loves you so much 
and he wants you to walk in the fullness of your calling, whoever that is. Today is a day to repent from being like Jonah and running away and receive and answer the call that he has. If that's you, I don't know who that is. I'm not going to have you stand right now. I would love to meet you. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to pray with you this week. But I want to, be on, I want to, to honor God in that way. This morning, regardless of whether you fill out that card or not, whatever it looks like, whether it's serving here, whether it's serving in your school, in your high school, investing, I want to challenge us. Let us not just shine, but let's shine together. Let me pray for you. And then what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to do announcements after this. The ushers are going to come forward. They're going to collect those cards, so please fill those out. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Lord, that we are here. Lord, we have something to give because you have given to us. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we understood it or not, Lord God, the time that we have, the resources we have, the strength we have, the life, the passions we have, we have them because you have given them to us. Lord, I'm asking you that you would help us this morning. Lord, that you would help us to release and to open our hands, Lord God, to, to release the need to clutch Lord, to release the need to self-preservation, to step beyond fear, to step beyond the unknown, and to trust you, to take a step forward, to dare to invest to the extent that it hurts, that we feel it. Lord, help us to trust you this way. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I just believe that as we step out Anytime we step out in faith, anytime we surrender something to you, God, you always multiply it. You always multiply it. So, Lord, I pray that by faith, Lord, as people check these boxes and put it in, Lord God, that you're just going to awaken new vision and new dreams, fresh vision. You're bringing resurrection life, resurrection life, Lord, and a multiplication of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him praise this morning? Thank you, God. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.